0: Do you want us to keep producing the best VCU men's basketball podcast out there? If so, there's a way you can help. If you enjoy this show, please consider donating to help us pay for the cost of making it available. You can do so by using the PayPal link in the description of the podcast or on social media sites where we post it. Even a small donation would help. Thanks in advance, and Go Rams! Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. After each game, our host, George Templeton, talks live on Facebook with Ram fans and gives his take on the team's performance. And now, here's George.
1: All right. This is something we can build on. Today, a foundation was laid for VCU, and the second portion of this season – begins and begins very well. Welcome to Rams Rewind, live here in the VCU Good and the Bad and the Ugly group. If you like what you hear and you want to help us out like our friend Kevin Sims did, you can make a donation to us via a link in the description of all your podcast platforms to the PayPal. You've supported us so well last year, and thank you for the support you've given us this year. And yeah, that's where we can start, Bruce Stevenson. It was an absolute breakout game for Kiwani Kiwani. I think all along, much like Fats Phillips and maybe some of our other players, it was as simple as you had, they, had, they needed to see the ball go through the hoop. They needed to say, see, see the ball go through the hoop. And he did, and the confidence grew, and, he, and finally we saw him go to the rack and jam one, which was fantastic. You know, that was brilliant because he did that in the black and gold game, and I don't think we've seen enough of that and he really must have confidence to do it, so that's great. Um, and, yes, Bruce Stevenson, Alcorn State has struggled. But remember, Alcorn State's played nothing but road games. That only win was their only home game, and, it gets, and it's against a non-D1 team. And as Robbie and Rodney pointed out, they're not playing another home game until January 20th. They almost they have the reverse of our schedule, essentially, how you know we have nothing but home games until the middle of January, Except for that one non-D1 game, they have nothing but road games, because they start with three road games. And remember, Alcorn was a co-champ of the SWAC last year. So they've had recent success and, and, they, and they're going to be toughened up, and they'll probably they may not win the SWAC because Grambling's a big favorite, but they'll probably be right up near the top of it, and they're a tough team. And look, they gave VCU problems. I mean, VCU could hardly hit a two-point basket in the first half. And it could have gotten real interesting. You know, we couldn't – it was interesting listening to the radio call. They couldn't really reel us in, but we really couldn't put them away until midway through the second half. And then we just had that huge run. And Bill Baldacci, that's the other – that's the other big thing. That's the other big storyline. Kawani kwanis breakout is, for me, number one. But for number two, this offense looked like it needed to look. Now, do I love – the two-thirds of their basket, uh, their field goal attempts were three-pointers? No, because that's, I'm never going to love that. That's not the kind of offense I want to see a team run in general. However, when you have 29 made baskets, 22 assists, and only 11 turnovers, and only four of those after halftime, you're running great offense. And if you make a volume of – if you take a volume of three-pointers but make a good volume, you're pretty hard to beat. Well, they took 39 threes out of their 62s and made 17 of them. That's 43.6%. If you consistently shoot 43% uh, from three, you're going to be among the nation's leader, if not the nation's leader, in three-point percentage. So that's the platform to build that. And, again, Kiwani's the main person in that. Uh, <laughs> very funny Bradley. Heath. But Kiwani is the main driver of that he was four for six. Uh, and what a terrific game too. He had five rebounds as well. Um, you know, that was really great. Uh, and no, Bruce, we didn't get boat raced by Norfolk state. Remember that was a three point game with a chance to go to overtime. We just got thoroughly outplayed by Norfolk state. Who's, you know, did done some winning again since then, by the way, as well. Um, I, you know, as I look at this, you know, Zeb Jackson, want to praise him. He was way more under control today. Still would have liked to seen him drive and slash a little more, but you can't argue with seven assists versus three turnovers. Three of seven from three. You take that every day, six of 12. Beautiful. Beautiful from him. Uh, you know, Max Shulga hits that early three, and then it was kind of quiet most of the game, but he does end up with 13 points. It's nice when he doesn't have to shoulder the load as much. It really is. I think this is a much better team when he has to do shoulder the load. Um, You know, like when he doesn't have to shoulder the load like that. Uh, Jason Nelson, you know, makes four threes, four for nine. Again, you know, and and this is a night where Fats Billups, who I would argue up to now has been our best three-point shooter, one of our best three-point shooters. He was one for six. I'll admittedly, I liked a lot of the shots he took because they – we're in the context of the offense, and there was really only one quick trigger three. Uh, but I liked a lot of what he did. If I was gonna, if I was gonna say, if I was gonna have any criticism, I don't want to have too many games where between Christian and Furman and Toby lawall they only get four shots. Toby makes them all, and he kind of had to get it himself. They need to look for those two guys more. But here's where. Here's where the appreciation for both of them comes in. Not just the double-double that, that you're talking about, Bruce, for Toby Lawal. You know what you didn't see Toby and, and Furman do? What they didn't do, and Michael Bell didn't do this either for the most part. it's why I love these guys. They're not so worried about their lack of offense that as soon as they get it, they're either going to rush something up that's got no chance to go in or force something that's got no chance of going in, no – they're going to do the team thing and kick the ball out, and when you do that, it's just, it's going to lead to nothing but good things, and and that's what it, that's what thinking of every others others does for you. I mean, this offense looked so good, ran so well uh, for large portions of it. There were a couple of stretches where it wasn't great because they took so part in part because they took so many threes and they couldn't get the ball inside nearly as much as they should. And I think that's – if there's a final piece to this puzzle for this team to be really good, it's that you've got to figure out a way to either get the dribble penetration you need to break the zone down or to use Furman and the wall in the paint area on the block to break a defense down because both of them have shown the ability that when the defense comes to them, they can get the ball out to somebody else. Um, you know, but that's, that's, I mean, today it didn't matter because they just made so many threes. It didn't make a difference. I do want to see Furman and the wall featured more, but really, you know, you have six guys in double figures, you get 86 points. This is uh, the thing that came to mind. And I said it in the game thread was the Davidson game last year. Cause they, they played that game. I think right after Duquesne, you know, smacked them around and I think we weren't kind of kind of sure which way the season was going to go, and they just they just dropped a, a three-point barrage on, da- on Davidson like crazy. I think they ended up with 90 in that game or close to it. That's what this game was like. And they needed a get right game and they got it. You know Bruce mentioned they covered the spread, covered it easily in the end. I kind of thought when I did the predictions in the prediction game on, tw- on the Twitter with the other VCU people, that they would barely cover the spread. They smashed through it. I mean, 51 in the second half. Sheesh, you know, you, you that's not something you've seen often with VCU the last seven, eight, nine, ten years. Them scoring 51 and a half. And so again, the firepower is there. That's what it shows you today. No, you can't expect Kwani Kwani to have a half where he was four for four and three from three from the three-point line. No, you can't expect that. I and I get that. But I'll tell you this, we still don't have Bearstone. Stone. We're going to get him back eventually. We're going to be a difficult team to play because you just can't key on one guy. And that was sort of the thing that made them so tough last year is that is that we had all these different guys lead a team in scoring during conference play, and it's like, well, you can't lock in on him, and you can't lock in on him. Well, we're now getting to that level again, it looks like. And that's really terrific. That's really terrific because that's the kind of team we need to be if we're going to have a really good conference season. Um, so that's where, I, that's where I'm pretty pleased. That's where I'm pretty pleased with that. Um, I, I must have missed those couple of alley hoops, Daniel Carter. I must have missed that because I did have to run out and get my laundry before the storm comes in here and just, just dumps, a, dumps a truckload of rain on everybody. Uh, But again, I, I was very pleased with that second half overall. Um, And yes, we have to take into account the competition. I'm not, I'm not crazy. I I understand that, but I think at the same time, there are things that they can take from this game and they can use to build on and that they can use uh, that, that will stand them in good stead down the line. And look, We've got our frustrations out on these other games. It's tough that they didn't win the Iowa State game when it would have been a top 25 win, you know, or a net top 25 win. It would have been a, no doubt about it, quad one win. It's tough that they didn't beat Memphis, who's probably, who you know, is going to play a ranked team. That game's probably tipped off already, actually, against Texas A&M. And Memphis is going to be a top 100 team, maybe top 75 team. It's tough that they didn't get those wins. But they can start here, and that's what these four games are about, is let's build, let's look at what we've done wrong this first part of the season. Let's correct it. Let's build towards January 2024 and the start of conference play. And this is a good building block for that. This is a good place to start. And that's where I'm very happy with that. And defensively, the middle of the game wasn't great. They let Alcorn State get the ball inside easily a little too much. And so Alcorn State, you know, actually dominated in paint points in the first half. And VCU did a very good job on that in the second half. Second half paint points after because it was 20 to 8 at halftime in favor of Alcorn. It was only 16, it was 16 to 8 VCU in the second half. So that shows you again, you know, they made Alcorn State a jump shooting team. And there was no way Alcorn State could keep up. You know, uh, Alcorn State, 26.9% in the second half. Um, and, it, and, it, and it may, Bruce, it, it may, again, we're going to find out a lot when we get to that road part of the game. Because, again, we're, remember, this is a long home stretch we have now. Because we're not only starting, we not only have, the, these, this was not only the first of the four non-conference games, we're starting with two home games in conference play. But the way George Mason and LaSalle are going, I kind of thought those wouldn't be difficult road games. They might be tougher tests than what we think and good because we're going to find out a lot about this team when we get to that point. But the key is let's get to that point and 2-0 in the league and then see how what happens if they get punched in the mouth a little bit, if a crowd kind of rises up against them and causes them a problem. Then we're going to find out uh, about this team and, and what, what they're all about. But, again, I feel good – at the very least, I feel good that certain things were corrected today. They did a really good job. You didn't see Alcorn State beating the, beating the team down the floor and getting easy offense the way you saw it against Memphis, as a, for instance. You didn't see that at all. Um, and that's the thing. The player – one of the things – when I finally listened to the post-game presser from the Memphis game, which I did the other day while I was working, I was not only pleasantly surprised, I was heartened by the fact that it wasn't even Coach Odom that said anything about it, although he did say something about it. in his part of the press conference. It was the players. I think it was Jason Nelson who was like, you know what? We didn't get back on defense, and that really hurt us, and we need to do a better job on that. We knew such and so, whoever it was they called out, I think it was Jones, During the game, we knew that was his game was to push the ball down the floor and we didn't do that well enough and that hurt us. When you got players taking ownership like that, taking responsibility like that, owning up to their own mistakes where it's not even the coach that's got to say it, they're saying it. That's that's huge to me because that's maturity. That's knowing the game of basketball and understanding it. And you saw it. You saw it today. Now, again, it's going to be tougher. We're gonna be facing much tougher than this uh, you know, the next three, four games, the next five, six games before we hit the road and in conference play. But you saw that today. The players talked about it. Coach Oden talked about it in his part of the post-game presser after Memphis and talked about it again during the pregame show that I was listening to. You know, they they made it they've really made it a point that, that, that this that their issues on transition defense is something. They're gonna to have to get better about. And the fact that they know that is really, really good, in my opinion. And it shows that this team has a chance to grow and become a really, really good team. So, all in all, yes, you take into account that it's not the best, that's not the best opposition and all that. But you know what? We've played a really good schedule. And I think what'll be interesting is to see is when we get to VCU by the numbers in the midweek, which that will make its debut probably Wednesday morning, either Wednesday or Thursday morning this week in the in the VCU good and the bad and the Ugly group. I'm betting their strength of schedule is going to look pretty good. And and you know, this is a tough one that they lost here and people are going to say and and you know, people are going to keep throwing Norfolk State in their face, but as I keep saying Norfolk State's going to be top 2 in that conference and maybe top 1. And I think what you're going to find is that this team that, that there's a lot there's still a lot for this team to get and there are going to be opportunities because this conference is doing so well. A little, a little A-10 brethren for you. St. Joe's knocked Princeton from the ranks of the unbeaten today. That is a monster win for this league, and I know it's Princeton. Yes, Princeton. You know the team that was in the Sweet 16 a year ago? That's a huge win, and that means you know there's a very good chance that when they play St. Joe's, they might not be quad one because I don't know about them being – top 35 in the net, but they're going to be a solid quad two game when they come to the Seagull Center. And if you rack those up, and they're going to have a lot of them in this league, unlike the last few years where there was, you know, maybe one quad one game if you're lucky and a couple quad twos, there are going to be a lot of quad twos and maybe a few quad one games. There's opportunity for VCU to really take big steps forward in both the net and Ken Pomeroy and put themselves in a position so, you know, this is and, – and thank you, Daniel Carter. Everything you said about St. Joseph's, too, but that A&M Commerce game is up there, but it also shows you, yet again, anybody can get caught. You know, doggone Mississippi State, I think they lost to it. If I'm not mistaken, they lost to Southern at home. Southern from the SWAC beat them. And Southern, at least going into the season, was not one of the teams that was predicted to finish way up the SWAC. You can always get caught. You can always get caught. So, we're again, we're all frustrated by, by some of the home losses and some of the losses in the tournament. But I think opportunity, there's still opportunity for this team. And what we saw today was a lot of great growth. Now, let's get down to what's coming up because I'm very excited about what I'm about to tell you. Been talking about the special episode. Well, we got a six-day break with VCU coming up. And it's the first, and we got a bunch of those coming up. They're going to have... You know, this, there's six days between this game, six days between Temple and Maryland Eastern Shore. We got something planned special planned for that. And six and eight days between Maryland Eastern Shore and Gardner Webb. That's the Christmas week. We got something we got something good for that too. But this episode coming up, and I believe it's gonna be Wednesday, we are gonna have, and we did this interview at the Orlando tournament on Rams Rewind, Robbie Robinson, his journey to VCU. You know, and, his, and, and all the work, great work he's done as a VCU play-by-play guy. He will be on Rams Rewind. I think it's going to be this Wednesday. It's either this Wednesday or this Thursday. And everybody, give that a listen. I think you're going to enjoy the interview. It's a really tremendous look at his life and, and how he got to VCU. And I was, it was just, it was a really enjoyable time talking to him. He was so generous with us. At Rams Rewind, and we appreciated it so much. So this Wednesday, Rams Rewind, or this Thursday, one or the other. Uh, Robbie Robinson on Rams Rewind with me. That's the first thing. Temple Saturday, two p.m. If I'm not working, because you know, I actually they actually tried to call me into work yesterday, and I couldn't do it. Uh, so I'm going to try to be a little sensitive uh, to that if they need me on Saturday. But if I'm not working, it's going to be the same deal here. We'll be will be in the we'll be in the uh, we'll be will be here live in the, the good and the bad and the other group with a live video as well as a podcast coming out in podcast land. So that's the deal. I, I, you know we're gonna have Robbie Robinson for you. We talk about the memorable calls, especially the Zeb Jackson one, because that's the one that's the one that I experienced more than the ones in 2011. And it's just and and, I, and you know everybody that knows me knows how much I love. Robbie Robinson's call of that and how much I love that game in general, at least at the end of that game. So we talk about that and a bunch of other great things too. You're really going to enjoy that. Temple on Saturday. Again, if I'm not working, we're going to do the same as always, live, live in the you good and the bad, the young of the group, and then out in podcast land. Thank you all in the game thread for, list, for, for all your comments. Thank you all for the comments here in the video. As always, I really appreciate it. Beast, you good in the bad and the ugly group? Join us. As I said, we do tales from the non-conference where we look at our non-conference opponents. Uh, we look, we, we do a ten brethren like what I just did there, where we where we check up on our conference, uh, our our conference brothers as always. We we look out after our other teams uh, and how they're doing, and you know, hopefully one of these special episodes is going to have something to do with that that's coming up, and. PCU by the numbers. That should be Wednesday or Thursday morning. Ken Palm net, where this team, where the team stands in this conference, certain key numbers nationally, like our free throw numbers, because we had another good day at the free throw line. So we're going to stay way up in the foul in, 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 in the uh, foul shooting percentage list. And probably even though we were a little under our average today, probably still fairly high in terms of free throw free throws made because we were up in about the top 30 or 40 in terms of made free throws a game we were a little under that average today because we only had 13 free throws made 11 of them which is beautiful uh, <laughs> fantastic job uh from the rams shooting there so things of that nature and other little comments and looking at the conference and that kind of thing so thank you all so much really appreciate it as always uh See you Wednesday. Hopefully lots of you will enjoy that Robbie Robinson episode and hopefully see you Saturday with Temple. Thank you all for everyone. Have a good night, day, wherever you are.
0: To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.